What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no. Listen to my fate, yo. Destined to be great, yo. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. It is so good to be back with you. I'm Steve, and I'm here with Dr. Derek Williams. Dare Bear, how are you doing? What do you have planned ahead of you for Christmas break? Steve, you just revealed my undercover nickname to everyone. <laughs> Uh-oh, it's I out. I can't believe you just said it on air. <laughs> Dare Bear. Dare Bear, now everyone can call you by your affectionate nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to 17 days off. Woo. Last year was the first week we took off two weeks in between Christmas and New Year's. And man, I just loved it so much that that's going to be my new norm for that time of year to to take two weeks off. So Nice. Yeah, we'll be spending a lot of time with family in Utah. What about you guys? That sounds fun. Really similar. We're going to be off, I think, almost all of the week before and of Christmas between New Year's. So we're going to be mostly here, but we're going to go visit some family in Nashville. So we're excited. It's going to be great. Nice. Yeah. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. It's the like time of least dentistry too. It's, it's great. That being said, let's talk teeth. Let's see. We had a member of the group post on our Facebook group, some love for us this last week. So I want to give a shout out to Lisa Horshman. I hope I pronounced your name right. She said, I am seriously addicted to this podcast. I was an associate for seven years before biting the bullet this June and bought my own practice. It's been a rough five and a half months. But every Wednesday, I take a pearl of knowledge you guys give me and try to implement it that day. Awesome. So congrats on the practice purchase and thanks for the the kind words, Lisa. I like the practical value in your comment, and a lot of what we talk about is sometimes mindset or kind of motivational. I also like the little nuggets that sometimes we can help give our listeners. I thought we'd do one of those today where we give you all a small challenge that you can apply tomorrow in your office, and hopefully it is something that can make a big difference, potentially thousands of dollars of difference. And we're talking billing. I know, it's what everyone's excited to hear about. But hold on and hear us out. Just to introduce the topic, when I talk to dentists about insurance or billing or claims, you know, whatever their system is, usually I get an answer about something like this. My front desk takes care of that, and I'm not really sure what she does. I understand this. Insurance and billing is kind of torture and confusing, Doctor time and focus is much more profitable doing, you know, dentistry and case presentation. But as a business owner, you need to make sure that your system setup is actually bringing in the reimbursement that you should be collecting from your hard earned work. And you want to make sure everything is running properly. Yeah, I like that. And I'm glad that you have chosen this topic. I want to give everybody some insight. So a while back, Steve and his family came and hung out with us in Lufkin for a couple days and we had a lot of fun. Steve came into my practice and 
showed him around and stuff. And he, he hopped on the computer and started going through all of our insurance stuff. I have to admit that I have not been completely on top of things in the front desk area. I have kind of, I've focused on principles. Uh, I feel like I've had a good understanding of phones and, and different things. And I've had an excellent front desk who's really been on top of things. And I've just audited things with, with her and tried to stay on top of things that way. But Steve hopped on the computer and he started like doing all of these like really in-depth things that I thought was so cool. And I learned a lot in just like 20 minutes of being there. So before we jump into this, Steve, I was wondering if you would be able to tell everyone what you have gone through that has allowed you to understand some of the front desk duties when it comes to billing in a little bit more close, intimate detail than a lot of dentists ever understand. Very generous words there. <laughs> Probably an exaggeration. I don't know a ton. I don't know. A ton. No, all, all <laughs> genuine there. And for the record, I think you're leading the billing the correct way where you have an, an expert doing it and taking care of it and you're just checking up on it. That's where we want to get. But I was forced to learn a little bit more in detail because a few months into my practice, I had to cut my front desk loose effective immediately. And I think it was like a, a Wednesday and the next Thursday, the next, you know, the next morning, we didn't have any way to collect payment or send insurance or, or anything. So it's just like, and if you want to learn, that's a really fast way to learn. It's not, definitely not a comfortable or smooth way, but that's kind of how I learned it by necessity. So I basically needed to bring someone to the front desk and train them on how to send insurance claims, how to enter claims, payments, write-offs, how to stay on top of everything. And so basically, I when I let that employee go, I had to kind of learn everything. And in doing so, I went through the last few months and I just saw all sorts of terrible mistakes that just made my skin crawl, but I had no idea it was going on until I was forced to stick my nose in the books and figure out what was going on and figure out how to do it. I'm not an expert by any means, but I learned a little bit by necessity and enough just to have an idea of what systems we want to put in place, what we want to have our front desks doing and how we should be kind of over their shoulder auditing and helping as needed, if that makes sense. Okay. So let's, let's kind of go into this. So you may not totally know what your front desk is doing regularly with insurance claims and AR. So you either have a rock star front desk that knows everything and is willing to go the extra mile to collect your every dollar, which is kind of a rare thing. Count yourself lucky if that's you. Or what is likely the case, your front desk is probably making some mistakes, potentially big ones, and is leaving collectible money on the table. Not catching those mistakes can result in you repeating them, and that results in you doing dentistry for free. We don't want you to participate in billing and claims, but you need to audit to make sure things are being done properly. So let's talk about a little challenge. Tomorrow, Go into the office 30 minutes early before people get there. Just jump on the computer and pull up a couple reports. I was just thinking some good ones would be the outstanding claims report for the last year. 
write-offs from the last week, accounts receivable aging, and accounts receivable by patient breakdown. So those are three or four reports for you. Maybe you read through these all the time. Good for you. Maybe you read through these tomorrow and there's nothing there. That's awesome. You must be running a tight ship. But more than likely, you may find some glaring mistakes. You ever seen the Office episode where Michael says, explain it to me like I'm five. (laughs) I'm going to be that guy today for you. So when we go through some of this, for anyone that feels like this is over their head at all, I'm going to be here for you guys making Steve dumb it down. Explain it like I'm a golden retriever. So first of all, before you go any further, can you define those different reports and why you would want those for those different time ranges? Or are you going to get into that? So let's do a little just kind of overview of what should be happening. So this is your system or this is in a broad sense what your accounts receivable and insurance billing should look like. At the end of every day, your front desk should have all treatment that you have done that day moved to complete in your software system and each appointment closed out. Or the next day in the morning, all those completed treatments should be made into claims, which is an automatic feature on your practice management software. And they should be sent to insurance companies with applicable attachments already included in the claim. That means any necessary x-rays, your intraoral picks, perioral charts, narratives. All of that needs to be in there when she sends the claims out. This is usually done and most easily with a software subscription like Renaissance, I think is the most common one. At least that's what we use. It batches all these things together and sends them out automatically where they need to go. And she needs to do this every day. Okay. I want to give you my rundown of what a company like Renaissance is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. So Renaissance is what they call a clearinghouse, but basically what it means is they simplify things across all insurance companies. So like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, Delta, whatever, all of these individual insurance companies, I could deal with just them individually as far as processing claims but that would take a lot of time and be kind of a hassle. So there are some clearing houses such as Renaissance where I can go and deal just with them and put all my claims into here and then they're going to send them off and process them with individual companies, correct? Exactly, yep. It's like a little basket, right? You put all your claims in, you hit send, it sends them all out to wherever they need to go. And then if for some reason one of them's rejected, it's missing info, it'll come back into your basket and you'll need to correct it. So it it just helps manage it. I can't imagine anyone not doing it with a clearinghouse these days. But yeah, that's kind of how it works. Nice. So you send them all out. Then usually three to four weeks later, insurances will respond with an EOB and they'll pay you. Your front desk, she's going to post the payments, put in the adjustments for in-network providers And then needs to contact the patient concerning any balance that day, whether it's a credit or a balance. In case of no payment, an EOB comes back and it's denied, she needs to correct it and then resubmit it. If you're denied something, your front desk needs to know why, and then she needs to let you be made aware of the denial so that you can adjust the way you're doing things to make sure that those don't happen anymore. And then, you know, each insurance has their own little nuances and she needs to learn those. And so you can bill things accordingly. 
Steve, could you give us just a few couple like really simple examples of the most common denials that you see in your practice or that you've seen in practices that you've worked with? I think most of them are stuff like people whining about on Facebook. So you'll get buildup denied with the crown because you didn't send in a intraoral image showing this blown out tooth that needs it. You may get a denture or a partial or an implant denied because they want a pano, not just PAs. You may get something denied because you don't have a narrative with it that uses specific words, like a surgical extraction needs to say bone was removed around the tooth. So lots of little, little things that you need to dot your I's and cross your T's. It's really just a big game, right? Like you need to get what they want, jump through the hoops and get them their info. And really the way to do it is, is just have your front desk. Once she goes through, you know, a hundred EOBs, you'll start seeing patterns and she needs to start understanding these things. When in doubt, you can't send too much information, you know, send x-rays, intraoral pics and a narrative. And most of the time that'll take care of 90% of the stuff. So that's what you can do. And then aside from these tasks of sending out claims, getting them in, posting things, your front desk needs to each month go through all patient accounts and then resubmit or fight any outstanding insurance balances and contact patients with statements for people that owe you money. And this is kind of a big task, especially if you have a big practice with a lot of patients. So I think it's helpful to break it up. She can go through all the patients A through J the first week of the month, K through L the second week, M through S the third week of the month, and then the rest of the alphabet the fourth week of the month to break everything up so it's not just like a landslide at the end of the month. And if she's doing these each month, then there's never going to be an account that just gets left for six months or for a patient doesn't get a bill like nine months later, right? That's kind of how it works. So at the end of the month, you should have an updated collections, production, and an AR report. That's kind of it in a nutshell. That's how things should be happening. If you get away from that, stuff can pile up fast or be forgotten and you end up losing money. If you don't audit, audit just means you're checking to make sure someone is doing things correctly. If you don't audit, it is most likely that your insurance coordinator is not doing all these things. And that's because it takes a lot of work. So it's important to audit, check up, and follow up on her. So can you guide us and help us know like, okay, so that's how it ideally goes, but how do we... How do we really audit? What should we be looking for? How often, you know, you, you said that basically the front desk should be going through all of the claims once a month and reviewing all of them. So does that mean we should too guide us through that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go through a couple of reports that if you just, you can just pull them up on the computer or better, you can have your front desk pull them up and kind of report it to you. So it makes her review it, right? And it's a simple way to audit at the end of each month if you want to do that. So the first one, and you can check this tomorrow morning, your claims outstanding report, okay? This is a list of claims that you have sent out but have not received compensation or word back. Claims outstanding. So go ahead and pull this report, and you'll probably see a ton of stuff that it stated in the last month. That's okay because, remember, it takes three or four weeks for insurances to process this stuff. But look farther back. Do you have any outstanding claims from three months ago? maybe six months ago, maybe more. Your front desk needs to figure out why these claims didn't get where they needed to go and she needs to make the corrections and resubmit them. It's not unlike an insurance company to receive a claim and just not respond. So she needs to 
keep up on this. You're talking about kind of time frame. Is there ever a time frame where it's too late to go back and to get get money from old claims? So if you hit the year mark, like no matter what you did and what documentation you have, insurances will just pay you zero. Or I think some insurance will do it six months. So you have 180 days from your day of treatment to submit claims. And then if it's after that, tough luck. When you look at this, if your office has fallen behind and you see a bunch of claims, I would start all the claims from January of 2019 because they better be sent off again or fixed because all that money is just going to disappear in a couple of weeks. Hopefully that hasn't gotten that far because, I mean, that's a year. But some people, this stuff piles up and if you don't check, you'll never know it's there. So that's a good one to look at. And if things are going well, you probably won't have many of these, but they're probably there. So just check that. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much, but next one is write-offs, okay? So write-offs are usually the difference between our charged fee and the insurance allowed fee for the insurances in which you're in network. So whenever your front desk gets an insurance check from an insurance company, she puts in the amount paid to the patient's ledger and then writes off the difference between that figure and your charged fee. Pretty simple. But if insurances don't pay their whole amount or reject something, the path of least resistance for the insurance biller is just to write that portion off with the regular adjustments rather than send an appeal to the insurance or contact the patient and have the hard conversation to let them know that they're responsible for something that their insurance didn't pay for. It's just a lot easier to write it off for them. It's not really money for them is it's kind of like num- you know it's like numbers on a page almost yeah they're just trying to do their job and it's a lot harder to have those difficult conversations rather than just punch a few buttons in the computer yeah you want it to equal zero like that's what they're trying to do it's, it's like little math game so they'll just make it equal zero and be like oh and the ar looks good everything equals out but this is why it's important to check the write-off report from time to time just make sure there aren't shortcuts going on that's costing you a lot of money. How would you actually recognize that? For write-offs, depends on, I think different softwares have different write-off reports, but mine's open dental. You can look at write-offs and it'll just show the patient write-off. Probably the best way to do it is just pull an EOB. Just look at a couple EOBs and then just check to make sure that the write-offs on the EOB are the same as they are on your computer. And otherwise you could be losing some money. I know it's, it's scary to look at an EOB, but it might be a good thing to learn. You know? <laughs> I'm going to enter again from the five-year-old stance. So basically the EOB is what we're getting back from the insurance company. And they are telling us what their allowable is and what portion they paid and what portion the patient should be responsible for. So if that's any different than what we estimated and what the patient on the date of service or whenever that was done then we're going to see a difference between that. So that's why you're saying to check the difference from the EOB versus what is actually in your software. It's not necessarily that you can just print off a report and look at the big number, but the way that you're going to audit is just by going through and looking at a few of those EOBs and then going and and looking at the patient in the software and making sure that they match up. I mean, you can look at a big list and just kind of find large numbers for any agrarious write-off. But yeah, you'll want to pull a couple EOB. For example, a couple weeks ago, I was up at the front desk at the end of the day. And I, just, I just pulled them out. And one of them was a crown. I think they estimated it was like 
insurance would pay 80%. So we were expecting, you know, $790 or something and the insurance paid like 560. So we should have billed the difference, but my biller who usually does better wrote that difference off. So I pulled it out, put a sticky note on and said, Hey, this one has an incorrect write-off. So we need to look at that. And I think that's probably a pretty common thing, especially if it's a portion of a treatment rather than going back and chasing the patient down. Now, this might seem like a little thing, and it probably is for most people. But I remember when we went to Breakaway, Scott Luna, he was talking about some of their AR collection services that I don't know if they still have them, but he pointed out an office that had like over $500,000 in the last three or four years from incorrect write-offs that shouldn't have been done just all money that's been thrown away because no one bothered just to check what was being written off and to make sure things were straight. Can I ask you real quick? I mean, this is a little bit of a side note, but so with what you just mentioned with you estimated that insurance would pay 80% and they didn't pay that portion. How often do you try and underestimate what insurance is going to pay so that then you end up giving more refunds back to patients rather than having to ask for more money because insurance didn't pay what the estimate was. Yeah, I agree. I think you said it perfect. I think some of the insurance experts out there, they say, just go ahead and estimate that the patient will have to pay for the full buildup. I think Open Dental like automatically changes things like 10% for composite downgrades or however those work. So when in doubt, just over guess, and then you can always send a check back. But if you underguess and you're sending a bill, most of the time they're not happy if you don't approach it correctly. So yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. And then maybe I'll add for someone like you, Derek, you can check these write-offs when you look at an EOB, but you can also, if you're out of network, you can look at these EOBs and you can make sure that your fees, that you're sending high enough fees out. Because if you're sending your fees out and the insurance is paying all of your fees all the time. If you're out of network, you may need to raise your out of network fees because they're going to reimburse you higher, but you're just not sending them out high enough, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're basically talking about the UCR fee and just saying that, for example, if my UCR fee, which just means my normal fee, if my fee in my practice is 80 bucks for a pro fee, but let's say Cigna will pay 100% up to $100 for a profi, even if they're out of network, then theoretically, I could be getting more money from those patients that have Cigna. But because my UCR fee is $80, and that's what we're billing, they're paying 100% of that. Steve actually pointed this out to me when he came to my practice and Steve had this really cool trick. I thought it was really interesting. I hadn't heard it before. And supposedly he said everybody knows it. So it's probably not news to many of you. But Steve, could you could you give them that little tip? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Well, this is just fascinations from in-network guy like myself, okay? <laughs> if you're in-network, they'll give you a specific number fee that you can bill. If you're out of network, you send your own fee, but they won't tell you what their UCR is, what their bill up to allowable amount is. So they won't tell you, but they can answer yes or no to your question. So your front desk can call up and say, hello, I'd like to ask about our code D110 or my profi fee or whatever. 
And then you can just ask, is $80 under your allowable amount? And the person will say yes. And then you can go up and say, is $85 under your allowable amount? Yes. Is 95 No. They can't give you fees, but they have to at least like give you a, a response, like up to three responses or something. I know it sounds kooky, but like I actually did it with one of the insurances we're out of. Like it works. It really does. So you need to probe how high their allowable amount is and make sure your billing your fees are at least that amount, obviously. Yeah. So I thought it was funny because you said they're only allowed to answer the question three times. So if they said yes for 85, but no for 95, you know that it's somewhere between 85 and 95. So you hang up and you call back and get somebody else on the line and you give them three new numbers until you can figure out exactly what the fee is. I had my front desk do this after that. I think we found out that pretty much our fees were high enough for pretty much everything. But it was still a cool exercise. And I thought that was really funny that that's how they do it. It's all a big game. You know, it's an insurance game. It's funny. (laughs) Okay. I want to talk a little bit about accounts receivable. And we've talked and focused mostly on insurance. So I just want to get into looking at things on the patient side as far as what they owe. In general, when you're looking at accounts receivable, it's basically telling you how much money you're owed. If you're in network, this figure is likely not as accurate because write-offs aren't done until you get the checks back. It can give you a general check to kind of make sure that things are coming in as they should. A general range for normal AR should be around one to one and a half months of your average monthly production. Okay, so when you print off this report for the AR, it's going to give you categories. It's going to give you zero to 30 days, 31 to 60, 61 to 90, and then 90 plus. Generally, it's going to break it down between insurance and patients. So what we want to do when we go through this is we want to go back through and look for, first of all, any patients with large outstanding balances, and then pull up their account and find out why. It can be uncomfortable to look at this because basically it's showing you that you did dentistry, but you're not getting paid for it. And on the insurance side, it means that claims were not sent properly or maybe insurance verification wasn't done correctly. Unless you're perfect, you'll look at this and see, oh, I I did this crown or bridge and I got paid nothing for it. But the key is to figure out why and then implement systems to make sure that it doesn't happen again. So with patients, though, there's a few things that I think are important to focus on when you're looking at the patient side of things, it's a little bit different than insurance because when you're looking at insurance and there's still money owed on 30 days or less, that's not a big deal because we're still waiting on claims to be filed and processed and get the money back. But with patients, we still want to look at zero to 30 days because that's going to tell us a lot about what our collections policy is. If we have a policy to collect 100% on the day of service, but we still have a good amount of AR from patients in zero to 30 days, that means that our collections policy is not being followed. That's a big part. And I think there's definitely times where we may be willing to let a patient pay something out. We talked about that in the episode that you and I did, Steve, about adding same-day treatment talked about if you don't have anything on your books and you're trying to add some same day treatment, it may make more sense to offer some kind of a discount or let someone pay something out 
And there's nothing wrong with that. But your AR is going to reflect that. So the key is, as you're going back through, is to look at all of those cases and make sure that, okay, yes, we did talk about this. This is this is something that we were willing to let the patient pay out, whatever, stuff like that. You just don't want to let things be slipping through the cracks that you're unaware of that were happening. Another area that I've found to be helpful when reviewing other dentist AR is when looking at the patient side is first of all that stuff. And then also looking at really focusing in on the 61 to 90 days range, because once a patient gets past the point of 90 days, your odds of collecting from them drop significantly. So if you can have your front desk really focus on that 60 to 90 days range and really try and be getting in contact with those people, sending out statements, working out any kind of arrangement, the more contact that can be had between the front desk and those patients in that range, the more likely you're going to be able to collect that money. Catch it before it goes to 90 days is, I guess, what I'm saying. Yeah, I like it. I mean, so many people are always like, hey, my insurance company ripped me off this way and the patient never paid their portion. And now it's like 12 months later. And it's like, you can't go chasing a patient if a year later for this stuff. Derek, I'll put you on the spot real quick. So your front desk is awesome at this. How have you motivated and led her to be the rock star that she is just kind of handling all this stuff so you can focus on crown town. Yeah, I think you've already touched on one of them. And that's just making sure that you're reviewing things. So in the beginning, I was sitting down with her and we're going through every single patient that is in the accounts receivable. This takes a lot of time. Usually in my practice, it's like a five page report of names. So in the beginning, that took a lot of time for us to go through every single one of those and to decide, okay, is there something in our systems that we need to change? What are we going to do to follow up with this patient or this claim, etc. So in the beginning, it's a little bit more of an arduous process, but over time, it becomes less and less. So at this point, basically, My front desk gives me a report at the end of each month where she has basically done what you're talking about. She's gone through every single patient and she has a few different colors of highlighting basically what the status is of the payment or the claim or the the patient and what our next item of action is for that patient. So that's a big one. Like you said, just going in and opening some EOBs, comparing them, it can be really intimidating when you're starting out trying to go through this and they'll say, well, okay, I know I need to do this, but I don't really know how. I just tell them, just get involved. Just start asking questions to your front desk, go through this report together. And almost all the time, you'll be able to figure it out together. And Eventually, you'll get to the point where it's kind of more of an auditing hands-off process. But really, the key is, even if you don't know really what you're doing, the fact that you are checking on them and showing that you're auditing, they are so much more likely to just stay on top of things and to not slack off. One last thing that I would add is, I've talked about the 20% bonus system, and we probably need to do an episode about bonuses at some point, but we do a 20% bonus system where the staff is basically compensated based on the amount of production and collections 
that we do in relation to our payroll. So our payroll stays at 20%. This isn't what the episode's about, so I don't want to get into details on it right now. But having that in place, my front desk knows that everybody's really depending on her to stay on top of collections. Other staff members are going to be asking about if there's collection issues and stuff like that. So that is one area that has really helped not just my front desk in this area, but really kind of helped all of my staff to start to see things through the eyes of an owner a little bit better. Yeah, they all have skin in the game, ties them together. I like that. Awesome. And then I would just add, you kind of mentioned it, but the rest of your staff doesn't know how much stuff your biller or insurance coordinator has to do. She's over in the corner by the computer, but she has more messes to work through than anyone else in the practice, really. Like any mistake that's made, it all comes out in the bank and she deals with it. So I would just validate her on that. Let her know that you're aware of all the extra stuff she has to do, even if no one else really understands it. You understand it. You're really grateful for her. Applaud her when she does well. Incentivize her and then just follow up on her. I had a client, her collections and productions, there was a discrepancy two months ago and we talked about it and I said, you really need to go to your front desk and ask about this discrepancy and and look into this. And she did. And then the next month, the discrepancy was reversed and like she had an 8K increase in collections. I asked what it was and she said, well, my front desk, as, as soon as I asked about it, she started worrying a little bit and, and started working really hard so that she wouldn't disappoint me. <laughs> just like something s- as simple as that, just to make sure that you're just not letting things go unnoticed. That's the idea. We don't want you to be a biller. We don't want you to know a ton about it or spend a lot of time on it, but we want you to audit it and oversee things as a business leader and business owner to make sure the money's coming in and that your practice is as profitable as can be. Yeah, well said. Those are excellent points. So as always, reach out to us if you have any questions, Derek, Justin, or Steve at thelifestylepractice.com. If any of this was made no sense, feel free to ask questions. If you guys are actually really good at this, you have great tips or some really good practices in this area, feel free to help out the TLP community and share on the Facebook group some of your suggestions or best practices to help other dentists out. And with that, we will just see you all next week. All right. Bye. Later. Listen to be great.